It was already 10 a.m. sharp, so we've started late. We've started late, ladies and gentlemen, with this American Podcast Comedy Edition here on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Good morning. It's Friday, January something. January uh, 17th, January 17th, uh, 2020. And uh, I've got a pretty, I've got a, I was going to say I've got a pretty good show for you. I've got a very good, I've got a fantastic show for you this morning. Uh, at 10, 15 a.m., we're going to have as our guest, uh, regular guest, by the way, and one of our favorites, uh, none other than uh, Jeff Abagov. Jeff is a novelist, screenwriter, um, sitcom writer, television producer, He's all those things and more, and he's going to be on in just a few moments. Hey, uh, before we uh, kick off with Jeff, uh, and he'll be calling in shortly, uh, seven minutes by my clock. Um, yeah, I was, I was insisting when I was doing the uh, Facebook Live show before the show video event that we were going to be on at 10 a.m. sharp, not realizing there was already 10 a.m. sharp. So we've started late. Hold on. There we go. I had to change something out. Something was going weird with my uh, with my phone. Uh, before we do that, I want to tell you a couple things real quick. Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Man, if I don't sound like a AM radio talk show host now, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. Show her that she's special, or you know, reek holy hell. Um, there there is no equality uh, on Valentine's Day. Maybe there is. Maybe you want to argue that with me. I don't know. I should let people call in and argue with me about Valentine's Day. Um, anyway, Valentine's Day, February 14th is coming up. If you're like me, if you are like me, you um, are a bit of a procrastinator or a, uh, or a chronic and serious procrastinator, and you will not make plans for Valentine's Day until uh, the week of. And by then, friends, it will be too late. It's too late, baby. It's too late. So you really did try to make it. So if you want to go to ComedySchools.com right now, ComedySchools.com, and click the ticket link, you'll be able to pick up tickets for our annual Love and Marriage show. This show has now run at the Tempe Center of the Arts on Valentine's Day, our Valentine's Day week, since 2013. It's become uh, the annual fun show that we do every year. It's a positive look at Love and Marriage. So many comedy shows will, uh, comedy's based on negativity, and I've got nothing against really hard-edged, nasty, mean, uh, twisted uh, jokes about uh, sex, love, and marriage. I don't. I don't at all. Matter of fact, I got a few of myself. But on this day, February 14th, we're going to celebrate love and marriage. We're going uh, to take a fun look at uh, uh, love and primarily well, love and marriage. I'm married, so we'll be talking about marriage a lot, and we'll be talking about love, talking about relationships, but in a... Um, in a cool way. I mean, I think on Valentine's Day, for most of us, we don't want to go out and listen to some uh, uh, bitter or angry person going, love sucks. Uh, uh, marriage is bullshit. We don't want to, you know, so there's fun to be had inside the topics without um, ruining your night. So uh, you'll have a good time. It's going to be me and some special guests. It's one of my favorite shows to do. I put on a tie. You know, we dress up for that one. You probably want to dress up a little bit too. It's Valentine's Day. So if you're looking for a fun night, shows at 730, uh, you probably want to make uh, some sort of dinner reservation early, then catch a show. Then if you're smart, you're going to rent a uh, hotel suite someplace, uh, go there, pop open a bottle of champagne, and uh, get drunk and pass out. 
So uh, anyway, ComedySchools.com, February 14th. I wanted to tell you about that. All right, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's, give, let's give Jeff a call. Jeff's waiting patiently by the phone. I know that um, he's not going to call us. He's not that type. He thinks he's still the executive producer of a show. Um, here we go. We're calling him. We're supposed to be calling him. Phone's supposed to be ringing. There. And here it goes. You're going to hear the actual ring, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. That is the actual ring. Oh. Hello, is this Jeff Abagov, uh, novelist, screenwriter, television producer? Speaking. Uh, we have a marvelous deal on timeshares right now in uh, Oshkosh, Iowa. We'd like to... Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we don't I'll have... I'll take three. You'll take... Yeah, damn it. Damn it, I'm in the wrong business. I could have sold these, surely. <laughs> we could have went on vacation. We could have went to Sedonia. Uh, ladies could've, and gentlemen, go ahead. Could have been a contender. I could You know what? I could have had class. I could have been somebody. <laughs> Instead of a podcaster, which is what I am, Jeff, let's face it, a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to uh, the other voice that is coming to you into your uh, ears right now is none other than our friend, uh, and uh, I was uh, not um, I was not overreaching when I said novelist, screenwriter, uh, television writer, and producer Jeff Abagov. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Fine, fine, thank you, Tony. How are you? We are uh, fantastic. Um, as many of you may know, and I actually had people who wrote me and went, "Hey, dude, what happened to the podcast?" We took about a three month break from the podcast uh, for uh, a variety of reasons. We were very busy in the uh, final quarter. But Jeff had been a regular contributor to the podcast, and I said, darn it, if we're starting it again, let's have him back. So how is sunny Southern California this morning, sir? It's nice, chilly, but only for Southern California. It's warm for Canada. You're from Canada. I am. And in Canada, so what, what's the temperature now where you are? Uh, hold on. I think like in the fifties. You, know, um, you don't have to be exact. You can. It's a, I, fifty-one. You're not, you're, you're pretty not, close. You're huh? not our. You're not our weatherman. But um, we should get a weatherman. But I have a telephone that is. You have a telephone that is. Yeah. Uh, so it's fifty-one, which is chilly for uh, sunny Southern California. Uh, and and it is sunny. It is. Yeah. And you're near the beach, so you're getting those. Um, what is it? Is the marine layer still there? Or is it or has it burnt off? Is it what? The marine layer. Um, every, where I am, everything's fine. We weren't affected by the fires. No, 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 no. Okay, so, you, know, I, I, you know, I forgot that as long as I've known you, you're from Canada, and then you moved to Los Angeles, and you did well yeah, in Los Angeles. a long Angeles. time ago. You didn't spend a lot of time at the beach until you moved to the beach, and you probably don't know what the marine layer is. You're, um, are you going to make fun of me now? No, no, no. I'm going to help you. Because now you're going to be able to add this to your small talk conversation. Is that why I came on the show? To be hepped, yes. <laughs> the marine layer is, you ever notice how it's foggy in the morning and then it kind of stops being foggy or tazy? Yes. That's called the marine layer. Okay, I didn't know it's called that. And it's that's one of the things that gives Southern California its temperate climate because... It stays demonstrably cooler in the morning because the marine layer acting like clouds blocking some of the sun's rays. 
Well, most of Los Angeles is not near the beach. No, it's not, which is why people, when I lived in Chatsworth, California, I would sometimes fly from Arizona and it'd be 103, and I'd get to Chatsworth in the afternoon, it'd be 106. But! Okay. But! Well, the valley is always warmer than the rest of L.A. (laughs) That's true, and that was always the trick. Because L.A. proper, when they were selling the idea of Los Angeles as the land of milk and honey, the marine layer does affect a lot of West L.A. into Hollywood, etc., and then it burns off in the morning, and the, you know, but it keeps things cooler in the morning. Anyway, yes. uh, I'm assuming it's burnt off because you don't see it. Right. You know that? You know what, Jeff? Maybe that, what? Was, maybe that was the reason we called you this morning. <laughs> I, I I thought it was more about like comedy than weather. Maybe God, in His infinite wisdom, <laughs> thought that through the miracle of podcasting, we'd be able to share this with you today. Did you ever go to a Christian church? I mean, you're, you're ever you're Jewish, you know? Did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever sit around a Catholic yeah. mass and go, man, it smells good in here? Because they got incense. Um, I don't recall the smell, but yeah, I've been to Catholic weddings. I've been to Christmas Mass once or twice. Um, yeah, I've been to all, all sorts of church. In fact, where I live, when, um, when I often go take morning walks on the beach, on Sunday mornings, there is a church service do you on go- the beach. So do you, do you go there and... Do you do Zumba? Well, I, I walk by it. I, I usually stop for like a few minutes. And I mean, there's a lot of singing, like with acoustic guitar singing and people talking. And I'll stay if I like the song and, or if I find what the speaker's saying interesting. And right when they get to the point where it's like, you know, okay, well, everyone like turn to someone who you don't know yet and reach out and tell, introduce yourself and say, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah, that's the. You know, I I, I don't want to do that part. <laughs> I'm I'm against like church on the beach. I'm opposed to that. Why? I'm violently opposed. Uh, I'm going to tell you why. Okay, um, a long time ago, and you know, you, you would agree that life is life is a journey journey of self discovery. Um, after my uh, divorce, my first marriage, uh, my daughter at the time was ten, and we were attending a Lutheran church. Uh, trying mm-hmm. to raise her with, you know, some, some sort of semblance of a, of a moral, ethical, you know, whatever background. Uh, so, um, but I decided I wanted to find my own church to take her instead of my wife's church. So people started recommending churches to me. And these churches would be in warehouses or old nightclubs. And usually there was like a band. It was like a rock band. And it was led by somebody mm-hmm. who used to be the bass player for, you know, Def Leppard. Not that guy, but something like that. And they'd, they all look like hippies and rock and roll. Everybody go, yeah, I used to take drugs and have sex every night, but I found the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, people are dancing and playing the tambourine or playing the guitar. And I go, I don't need this in church. In Sunday morning, I need guilt and statues. So <laughs> on Saturday night, I need rock and roll. And on Sunday night, I need fire and brimstone. It's Well, you know, speak as a Jew, guilt is a seven-day-a-week thing. Yeah, you guys have got that down. You've got it covered. Yeah, we don't need a special day for that. Is there a rock and roll synagogue where you go in and there's like, you know. Well, yeah, I've never seen one. There could be. 
I, think, I wouldn't be surprised if there is, but I've never seen one. I think you and I should explore that issue. Now, I, I like, you know, when I'm walking and uh, on the beach, I like that there's a church service on a Sunday morning or a, a wedding in the afternoon or people playing volley, like people doing things. It's, it's life. It's the world by the water. It's cool. Now, when you, when you walk along the beach, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture it. Uh, I took a walk with you on the beach once, but I wasn't really looking at you. Um, when you walk, are you walking like sort of a sad and lonely existential, pondering the meaning of life, like something out of a, a Bergman film? Or are you jaunty? Are you like from like a 1960s Frankie Avalon, Annette Fenicello, and you're like, you know, the uh, Bob Cummings part is like the older dude hanging out with the kids. Describe your walk. Well, this physical part of it is always the same, where I put like my left foot forward and then my right foot foot in front of that, my left foot in front of that, et cetera. Sure, write that down. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, We we want to get details. (laughs) uh, But to the what movie it's in, I guess it would depend on every, you know, sometimes, a lot of times I'm like sort of writing. Yeah. Like, whatever I'm writing, it's like, okay, when I get home, what am I going to write? And sometimes I get absorbed and write the whole scene in my head and get home, and then it's just kind of typing what I thought of. Sometimes it's thinking sad thoughts. Sometimes it's thinking happy thoughts. I mean, it's pick any 20 minutes of your day. What movie are you in? Yeah. So it, it just depends. Yeah. It's a good question, yeah. though. I wish I had a better answer. Yeah. Right now I'm in uh, talk radio with Eric Bergosian. So uh, that's the movie I'm in right now. That's the movie I'm in. Later on, I'll be uh, I'll be in uh, the Searchers, where I'll be like an old man in my cabin, waiting for uh, the uh, Indians to kill me. So uh, it's my PTSD. So I hope they miss. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, it depends. Then on, for sure, there won't be another podcast. You know that the reasons why I stopped drinking and using drugs back in the '80s was um, I went. I started to realize with the crowd I was running around with. Um, that um, if it was a movie, I get killed in the first reel. Okay. That that you know you, you ever watch like a movie about like cops and robbers or you know yeah. uh, narcotics detectives and and then someone it opens up with someone kicking in the door and firing off Uzis or AK forty sevens like that you know right. that's all going on and uh, there's some guys who get shot right away and they're gone. Right. And then some guys uh, almost make it out the window and they get shot and some guys escape. Now, the guys who escape become the antagonists. Right. But the guy who gets shot in the window, you might think he's the antagonist. Not I'm the guy who gets shot in the window. I'd hang around the first 10 minutes. I'm surprised because I I would either um, die in the last reel or live because I'm the main character in all the movies I'm in. Yeah, well, that's why I quit. I'd become an I'm extra su- in my own movie. I'm surprised you weren't your own main character. Listen, I was getting ready to write. I don't my- think I've ever heard. I don't think I've ever heard that. No, I'm. I'm a support. Someone saying no. I'm. I'm a supporting role in the movie of my life. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's well, that's why I quit. I sad. had gone. That's- it is sad. Sad. I mean, it's fascinatingly sad, though. Well, that's what drugs and alcohol done to me. It had taken me from lead actor in my own movie to a supporting role. I had become a footnote in my own novel. Really? I just, for me, it's just the nature of the movie changed. It went from, oh, I don't know, um, 
American Graffiti to, oh, what was that Johnny Depp movie about Hunter Thompson? Oh, Fear and Love. Yeah. So it just became a different movie, but I was still the main character. See, now that wasn't actually a movie about Hunter Thompson. It was the not, I know. It was Hunter Thompson's I know. I know. I know. I know. Why do you think all writers, I've never met a writer, uh, maybe I meet one who's like in his 20s and not aware of Hunter Thompson, but all writers really revere Hunter Thompson. What was it about his writing that... Oh, I don't revere him. You what? I don't revere him. You do not revere Hunter Thompson? No. Why not? What do you mean? There's a lot. There are more people in the world that I don't revere than I do revere. What about Paul Revere? Never met the man or read his writings. He wrote one of by land, two of by sea. No, I think there was a poem about him. Um, there was a poem about him. And, and was, apparently he didn't really do it. Yeah, Someone the, else did it. Yeah. But he got famous for it because of the poem. I read where he was actually kind of an asshole. Um, you know who I liked more Wouldn't than him? Surprise me. Was the band Paul Revere and the Raiders. I thought they were a good band. I vaguely recall them and I vaguely recall liking them. They were they were they were fun. They were a little popish. Hey, um, yeah. we are uh, actually um, deeply in process now to have you come out as the uh, inaugural uh, the inaugural star of our uh, artists and writers series, and it will be in the spring. We are in uh, our talks with it uh, about it right now, uh, and we're excited about that. Uh, I don't get to see get to see you enough. The last time I saw you was in Los Angeles when we were getting together and. Uh, doing some vo- we were doing volunteer writing yes we were we were the volunteers of america so That's right. uh, do you do a lot of volunteer writing you don't well i mean what i'm writing now is on spec does that count as volunteer no volunteer is like i, I don't know i don't know how okay, rapid- i know what you mean no not really i mean there's not that much opportunity for it so it doesn't come up that much. I mean, every now and then, the friend will call, oh, I'm a best man at a wedding, can you write some jokes, and I have to make a toast, can you write some jokes for me? So yeah. I do, stuff like that, but not really much. I mean, it just doesn't come up much. You, you, can, get, you, can, get, you can get volunteered to death in a profession like yours, can't you? Um, what do you mean? Where everybody has an idea and they want you to participate in the idea and there's really nothing up front. It's totally on, a, on the fly. Oh, I don't do that. for pe- I don't do that. Like, help me write this. However, there are for a lot of people over the years, hey, Jeff, will you look at my script and give me notes or give me pointers or whatever. Um, if I know the person, I usually do. Um, and... Plus, I have a group of uh, writer friends, like professionals, and we all give each other each other's stuff um, before we send it out. Um, it's something I advise everyone to do. Because um, there's a point you can't really see your own work yeah. at a certain point. Um, and, um, you know, when you're working for pay, people will tell you what you have to change and they might be wrong and they might be right and you argue, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But on spec, I mean, one of the things is I'll give my manuscript to someone I respect and they'll say, you know, oh, this was confusing, okay, I'll fix that or hey, why don't you do this instead of that over here? Oh, that's a great idea and then they'll give another note and say, no, I disagree. What's your next one? 
I don't have to argue. <laughs> it's, it's just like they're helping me. Why argue with them? I, I just won't do it. So that, that's really nice. That leads me to a, what I think is an actual and interesting question. Um, in my capacity, oftentimes working with uh, brand new neophyte, they're not, a lot of them, and this is not casting aspersions, but they're not actual comedy what's writers. Wrong with cast, what's wrong with casting Persians? I don't want to. friends are Persians. It's, I, I'm not, well, it depends on if you mean casting, put them in a movie or throwing them somewhere. I was thinking movie. Throwing them would be mean. Persian throwing's been outlawed since uh, 1971. I don't know if you've. I thought it was 1871, but go on. You're yeah. making a you're heading towards a question. You know, in the great march of history, that's that's a blink of the eye. Um, oftentimes with them, the I'll tell them I'll say now the jokes that you're writing. Uh, I'll tell them I say don't care. I, it's, it does, I don't care if you think your jokes are good. You're not a judge of your own work yet. You don't know where the properly placed comma or change of a word or uh, change of a tense. Our inflection will actually make what is not a good joke funny. Uh, I said, but further than that, I go, don't share these with your friends and family initially. Don't go up to them and go, hey, do you, do you think this is funny? I go, because they know you, and now you're asking them to be a critic, and you're asking them, um, now, you, now what you've done is you've gone from you just being you to presenting something, and it's actually going to be a step down in the, uh, in the viewing if you follow what I'm, what I'm saying. So I do. My question is, if you're going to, would you have um, a non-writer review your work or do you think that it's important with new work to have people who are deep in the paint in the process to be the ones who review it? For novels, um, which I'm, doing now, I've been doing for the last couple of years, um, I do both. I have writers and non-writers um, because if someone reads a book, they read a book and you quickly forget who the author is. And so their feedback tends to be different from a writer's feedback and equally valuable. They don't typically get as specific um, but they'll be more, yeah, I loved it. Oh, why'd you have to kill this character? Why? Oh, oh, but they like, they're exuberant about it or they're not. And then they go, okay, they didn't like it. Was it them or is it the material? But um, scripts, because to a large extent, screenplays and teleplays are read to be made. They're not necessarily read to be read. Uh, sorry, they're written to be made. They're not necessarily written to be read. So a lot of people unfamiliar with what a screenplay looks like, can't really, don't really read it. it it's harder for them to read. A lot of people in the business, <laughs> they won't admit it, have trouble reading scripts. So, um, but going to your thing about stand-up, in my very brief tenure of doing it, I think it was like a year and a half maybe, and many, many years ago, um, but one of the things I found, that, like you wouldn't have to ask somebody because just go on stage. Like, I mean, there's open mic, especially starting out, there's open mic, and you just practice. And it's like, okay, no one laughed at that. Is it the joke? Is it the audience? Is it my delivery? In my case, it was usually my delivery. <laughs> like, it's, hmm, like, this is a good joke. Why aren't, okay, I'm saying it wrong. How should I say it? And I would fix that. But anyway. I right, no, no. But yeah, no, I... 
Agree, Percy. Sorry, you know, I, I often tell my students when they're writing because you said something that uh, I we agree on. When it comes to this, we agree on almost everything. And you said something I agree on that I just tell them when they're writing jokes. They go, "Remember, you're writing something to be said, not read." Because oftentimes right. they'll they'll write a joke, and I go, "Well, that's that's a great that's a great little short story you wrote there, but it's it's not a joke." So here's right. here's the final question I want to ask you, and then because I mean I could keep you on here for three or four hours, and we'd cover everything, but um, I you know what I I believe in being parsimonious. Um, keep them coming, keep them coming back for more. Uh, and we and <laughs> yeah, usually we do thirty minutes. Yeah, I want I want to have you back next week, but I have read, and uh, I have not been a sitcom writer nor a screenwriter. So, uh, but I, I certainly know plenty of people who have and have uh, studied um, those crafts extensively that um, a movie is written in pictures that theoretically that um, if you were to turn the sound off on any movie, you should still be able to follow it. Does the say, mm, do you agree they, or they disagree? Say that, but I mean, think of like a Tarantino movie whose his dialogue is just so... Yes. Great and sharp. And if you watched one of his movies with the sound, with the sound off, you're maybe, well, I'm, you could follow the story, probably not. Yeah. But even if you could, you're not getting the wonder of it. No, but you'd still, I think you'd still be entertained. The guy writes scenes that are, that are visually arresting. Um, you know, if you think of the stuck in the middle with you scene from Reservoir Dogs. You know, yeah. uh, or even Samuel L. Jackson when he's doing the uh, passage out of the Bible before he kills um, Frank Whaley. Yeah, but you uh, you would just be seeing like a close up of him. You know, he's screaming, but you don't know what he's saying. Yeah. Well, all right. I so, mean, in fact, one of the criticisms of um, I love the Hateful Eight. Um, a lot of people when it first came out didn't, and their the criticism from those who didn't like it was, oh, it was too talky. It was so talky. I went, yeah, I love what they were saying. I love how they talked. Yeah, I, we uh, Shirley and I watched the film. and We enjoyed it. It's not in. It's not in my. Um, it's not my top three or top five of Tarantino films. But um, hell, he's only made what? He's only has he only made eight? What is his Nine. plan? Nine. He's going to make ten and quit. That's what he says. He says that. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is your top Tarantino film? Top one. Yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I mean, I I don't know how, like. I mean, he has, in, in a way, he's similar to Orson Welles. Like, Welles is, who had a great career of so many great movies, but nothing could top it, the first one he did. In Tarantino's case, nothing could top the second one he did. I mean, it's just so unique. Yeah. And it couldn't be repeat. It can't be copied even by him if he wanted to. But you recall, shortly after he came out, it came out, there were a bunch of movies kind of trying to mimic that sure. structure. And some were, weren't bad, but it's like, no, you could only do it once. Well, what I had <laughs> read, know? no, I agree. And what I had read was that the reason that it was the way it was, was it was a combination of three full screenplays. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, the Bruce Willis story was a screenplay. The, uh, um... Uh, John Travolta's story was a screenplay. You know that these were uh, that there was is three different screenplays that he mixed together. So uh, and and oftentimes you know necessity is the mother invention. What I read and I'll, I'll try to find it. 
again, although it's one of those things that, you know, you read in a magazine years ago, and is it anywhere you can easily access it, was it was three he couldn't quite get done. You know, he couldn't sell them on her own, so he combined the three of them and was then able to um, uh, get the money for that. So the only reason, the only reason I'm skeptical about the truth of that is that there's so much written about Tarantino. He does so much press talking about himself and his process that I think that would have been better known, and it wouldn't have been just one article a long time ago. Um, so that's the only reason. It might have been. It, well, it might have been several articles and I only read one. Did you ever think about what? that? It might have been in 900 articles and I only read one. It might be. I would have read one of them. It would be talked about. It would be a more known thing. Maybe, maybe you just don't know. Maybe you were busy. <laughs> okay. Maybe you were eating a sandwich and had to take out the trash and uh, you, the magazine that was well, in, you, you, you I, threw I, away I, before I, you finished I, reading it. I did speak a slight mistruth before when I said the only reason I'm skeptical. In general, I'm by now skeptical about all news, press, like Anything I hear is like, yeah, prove it. I don't say that because that's rude, but in my mind, maybe, I think that. Maybe you and with this one, it's like, it's, it, given that I'm skeptical about everything, it seems more plausible that it's not true than it is. That said, it could be true. Maybe you have liar's ears. You ever thought about that? I know I do. <laughs> no, did you, you believe everything is a lie. That's, it's more, it's not them. Oh, I, I didn't say I believe everything is a lie. I said, I don't know anymore what is true and what isn't. And just because I read something or hear something, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe, uh, you know what, I don't believe anything. I, know I don't believe I know anything you're saying. True. I don't believe anything you're saying right now. I think you do. No, no you know what, I'd be skeptical of your affirmation. Uh, <laughs> about, about, no, I, I typically will believe so if, if like you say I believe in God or if you say I don't believe in God I will believe that is your belief I believe there might be a God I believe you <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I wanted to finish my question which is what was your question uh, my question is, why are people so mean at gas stations? No, my question, why are people, my question is, is are you going to write a screenplay differently than you can write a sitcom? Not, and I'm not Did talking about, are, are, would you, would you say, and I'm asking you, would you say, so if you go with the supposition that uh, film is a visual medium, even though you and I, oh, right. okay. If you go with that supposition, mm -hmm. are sitcoms a visual medium as well, or are they more told in a uh, soap opera or play-style format where the words are moving the action along more? Well, contrary to what most people think, uh, TV did not come from film. It came from radio. Yes. So all like the, the early shows were, you know, Jack Benny had a radio show, so now he has... It just take the, what the radio show was and do it in front of a camera. Uh, the Green Hornet was a TV drama. Okay, sorry, it was a radio drama. Let's make it a TV drama. So, yeah, it is, its roots are in being more verbal, but they, then, they basically took a verbal medium. How, how do we visualize it? Yeah, okay. So it's much more of a mix. 
And although it really isn't, has nothing to do with theater, on a five-day sitcom schedule, the first three days is putting on the play. There's no, ca- there's no tech at all. It's like there's a table reading, the same process as a play. And then on the fourth day, you bring in, now let's put it on screen. What does it look like on screen? And then shoot on the fifth. Yes. Yeah, that's, see, and so, uh, by, um, by, by the way, uh, by the way, this is the kind of stuff that um, a lot of you know out there somewhere is a uh, is a young version of you and I, and I, I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. saying that with any any uh, sarcasm or cynicism. Who um, and some will rise and some will fall, and oftentimes those that rise will be those who are able to access through a a mentor, be in the right place, at the right time. Uh, are having the right information that they will be able to rise because they're acting on good information and on occasion someone who has great talent will fall because they're accessing bad information and that's why uh, it's one of the reasons why um, besides the fact that you're my friend and I've uh, uh, you know and I I, damn it I like you Um, uh, I I enjoy having you on the show so much oh shucks Oh darn it! Now you're making me blush. Oh, I'm gonna have to go and kill a bear. See, see if this was live, yeah. if we had cameras, you would see me blushing. Yeah, yeah. Bl- but, no, but because we don't, I have to say it out loud. We could write a uh, like a uh, uh, some sort of uh, um, 1950s coming of age thing about a kid from Flushing who uh, was very shy, called uh, Blushing and Flushing. No, Ooh. you're passing. You're passing that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What else if you I got? If I go back in time, I would beg you not to say it. What else do you got? You got something with cowboys and aliens. Um, <laughs> what are the reasons we like to have you on? Is because it's, I, I, I had a friend once who was uh, years ago. He told me this story. I believe you had a friend years ago. I believe that he was pitched by producers because they, they the producers had an idea yeah. and they were not writers. They brought him in to hire him to write it, and they told him the idea, and it was like, okay, this um, mother housewife dies, comes back as a ghost, Yeah. but yeah. the twist is, to, she comes back as, to the house as a ghost, but the, uh, to like take care of her family, but the twist is, everyone could see her, and she has no magical powers. My friend says, that's not a ghost, that's a maid. <laughs> Ghost man. <laughs> <laughs> Put some blood in it, maybe like a vampire. Ghost made. <laughs> the true story based on fiction. No, so basically what I'm saying is sometimes you're pitched and offered money to write things that are just bad. Oh, I, I've, I've had experience. I have a lot of experience with that. Um, usually by the time... And it's- and and it's you know the money is really good. It's sometimes tough to say no. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I know. Believe but you me, kind you kind of have to because in the end it won't be successful, and you're the one responsible for yes, it not being successful. Absolutely. I have uh, so, in, in in my independent world. I I have uh, I have taken that job more times than I care to tell you. Um, we got money and we're doing this and we want you because we hear and you and you're going and you tell them this won't work and they go we think it will you okay i'm not going to say it twice now that you've put that check in front of me and then later on they're going this is your fault and i'm going okay right 
So um, I've been through it. I know what you mean. Uh, we got well, there was one point, and I'm go not going to say to them, I was hired to do this idea. There was a pretty kind of generic idea, but it had like a really cool twist to it, um, like a different approach to it. And so I do it, and I submit the outline for, uh, for a new show. And um, the notes they gave were just terrible, and it twisted it around. So by the time I'm writing the first draft, it's like, how do I do that? And it just kept getting further and further from what I wanted to do. And then I got um, notes on the first draft, which were even worse, including some that said, hey, I've got an idea. And then they pitched how I wanted to do things in the first place. Yeah. It was just really frustrating. I called my agent, said, look, I know I have second draft money coming to me, but just get me out of this. I'll, I'll forego the second draft money. This isn't going to fly anyway. Just get me out. And he said, well, Jeff, you already, they already gave you the second draft money. You're going to have to give it back. I said, I'm not giving these assholes money back. <laughs> It's it's like one thing to not get paid, but like I'm gonna have to write them a check. Screw yeah, that! Yeah. I'll do the second draft. <laughs> <laughs> a wise man. All right, listen, we, we, we got to wrap up. Uh, will you come back next week? We'll talk next week. Sure. Hopefully by then I will uh, uh, be finished with my, uh, I didn't want to call them negotiations, just my uh, logistics. And um, within the next two weeks, we'll be announcing, uh, I can comfortably say, in the spring, we'll be kicking off the writer, Writers and Artists series. Anybody who's interested in being a uh, writer at any level, uh, novelist, uh, screenwriter, <coughs> television writer, you're going to want to uh, you're gonna want to meet this man. Uh, we're going to make it a fun day, fun evening. Um, within the next two weeks, I, I promise, I'm promising here on the air, we will be announcing the date. Okie doke. Okay. All right. Have Jeff. fun guys. Take Have care. Have a nice weekend. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Man, I was really good today. No, he was really good today. He was on. He was, he was, you know what? He was, uh, he was cognizant. He was very, you know, he's always on. He, it's always, you know, you, you know, we always get good stuff with him. So... Uh, I'm saying this now in the past tense, so if you've already listened, you know, but um, if you uh, have listened, you know, to someone who hasn't, you should, and you're interested in writing, in writing anything, you, uh, you're going to want to, you're going to want to meet Jeff in, in the spring, so, and you're going to want to have them listen to this podcast, which will be posted up in a couple hours on my Facebook page, Tony Visick, V-I-C-I-C-H, and on various other uh, platforms, including comedyschoolsradionetwork.com we're going to wrap it up today we got a full day in front of us um you know what is uh, we have no shows this weekend so you would think that i'm off i am off that's true you think i'm off but it's actually now lets us catch up and make sure that the shows we got coming up in february march and april and let me remind you february 14th love and marriage tempe center of the arts tickets at comedyschools.com that they are the best shows you could possibly see more bang for your buck, ladies and gentlemen. For my producer, happens to be my wife, Shirley Lowe Visick. Uh, and for the city of Maricopa, where we podcast from, I wish to wish you adieu till next week. Bye-bye. I speak tonight for the dignity of man and the destiny of man. <laughs>